listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. I dive into our new series. I want to thank you guys for those of you, for all of you that are praying that we're part of this prayer here today. Um, you know, it's really close to home right now. We have people from Mexico uh, that are in our house and people related to, uh, to Mexico. Uh, Jeff, his wife right now is over there. Uh, we have people in our house from Puerto Rico uh, that just the other day were able to communicate with their family members. I still haven't heard from my mom, and, but, but it's okay. It's okay because I know she's okay, and we're waiting for that phone call, you know? And, uh, and I just want to ask you guys to keep praying, and we're receiving donations. That's the big thing. Right now, we're receiving donations. We have Tuesday and Thursday and Friday um, listed as collection dates as part of a bigger network that is trying to get uh, items supplied to Puerto Rico. So... Uh, if you're interested in that, Tuesday, Thursday, or Friday, what you have to do is on Instagram and on Facebook right now, our, uh, our, our social media pages have information on the times on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday that you can bring those items and some of the suggested items. Clothes right now is not what's necessary. We need other basic things like uh, bottled water, even diapers. Uh, you can check out the list right there and, uh, and, and invite others also to bring stuff. I mean... It's just a small effort, but right now there are cities throughout the nation, in New York, in Florida, in Illinois, specifically in Chicago, all over the place, San Francisco here in, in, in California, and, uh, and they're all sending stuff. So the little bit that you put into that is just going to uh, exponentially grow the more that we spread the word out. And I want to thank you guys for that and continue to pray for Puerto Rico. We are in a series about waging war within. And uh, it, it's kind of funny because that's, for me at least, the image that I always get when I think about why it is that I want to do some things that sh- are the correct ones, the ones that glorify God, but sometimes I don't. Why is it that I want to behave a certain way, but sometimes I don't? We all have struggled with this. In fact, one of the staples of the Christian faith is, in fact, that we are unable to be good enough for God. Why? Because sometimes we want to do the right thing all the time, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's a lot. The, the image that always comes to mind, I actually had an image, but it broke down. But don't worry, because I know a lot of you have seen Emperor's New Groove. Anyone? Anyone has seen Emperor's New Groove? My favorite character in, in The Emperor's New Groove is Kronk. And Kronk, throughout the movie, has these two shoulder friends. One is an angel and a devil. And it's the classic uh, angel and devil on your shoulder. You know, what the, the, the flesh part of you, what you really want to do, and the other part that's telling you, but you shouldn't. And, and, and Kronk always is trying to listen to both, but kind of just goes with whatever he <laughs> wants to do anyway. But that's the image that we think about when we're trying to figure out why it is that we want to do something, but sometimes we don't. I, I want to be better than I am. And the other, the other analogy that comes to mind, not just the angel and devil in our shoulders, the other analogy that comes to mind is diets. Because I'm on a diet right now. I'm trying really hard. And there is an angel on my shoulder telling me, yeah, don't eat the carbs. Don't go for pizza. Don't go to pieology right now. 
Just, uh, just get a nice salad with no croutons in it. What? No croutons? Are you kidding me? No, no. It's because it's I'm at the age right now where my metabolism just hit the brakes, you know. Um, and, and so there's that, that I can so well relate to because what happens when you go on a diet? In the first couple of days, no one is more motivated than you. No one on the planet. You go all out. Like, I'm not going to eat that piece of cake. I'm not going to eat pizza. I love pizza. You kidding me? I can't eat it anymore. And so there's the part of you that wants to do it, and then the other part that's like, no, give in. Just have a bite of that pepperoni pizza. Yes. Let that cake melt in your mouth. Go to Alamanu and get, and, get, and get that awesome ice cream and get the big one, you know. You know, that's, that's, that's what we want to do, right? So we, we struggle with this consistently. Now, this series is all about how to figure out how to win the battle for the good angel, so to speak. How to do what you actually want to do but are unable to do. That's what this series is all about. And what Jesus invites us to explore is that the reason we can't follow the rules is that the rules, so to speak, aren't the problem. The problem is within. The problem is within our minds. There are tiny little parts of our beliefs that are compromised. And we have actually two sets of beliefs. We have the ones that are for God and the ones that are for well, what I want to do right now, what I want to give into. Though there are two sets of beliefs. And we, we always try to align ourselves when we talk to other people with the good one, but then there's the bad one. And unfortunately, the bad one often wins, especially when no one's watching. So we have to figure out what is it that we can do surgically within us. We have to step inside. And this series, in a good way, is going to be surgical. It's a word that I've heard other preachers use before. And, and if you sometimes during these next few weeks feel like something is poking at you, don't feel bad. Don't feel like, oh my goodness, God. What you need to do is use that grief, that remorse, to turn it into repentance and do something about it. Because the grace of God is infinite. You're forgiven. You are, if you are a believer in Jesus, then God has equipped you to repent. He has equipped you to change the things and the patterns that you haven't been able to change. He's given you that power. It wasn't in you before, but now you have it. So this is really a series for two groups of people. The ones that don't know Jesus and the ones that do. And really, it's for both. It is for both. Because for the people that don't know Jesus... The non-Christians. These are people who, right now, they're not listening to two voices. For the most part, they have their own conception of the two voices, and they follow the one that they've selected, and that's it. And they live comfortably within it. So, what can those do? They can learn the gospel that tells us, because we can't listen to the right voice, Jesus died for us. And he died for us as a sacrifice so that we can learn to sacrifice some things for him. He did a sacrifice on the cross so that we can also sacrifice things for him. If he gave his life so that we can be forgiven for the things that we unfortunately keep doing, then our sacrifice is to say, okay, 
I'm forgiven, so now I, in this relationship, Jesus, I will give up those things. And that's why Jesus tells us to carry the cross. So that's, that's the message for the non-Christians. Come to Jesus because he gives you forgiveness and he will empower you to walk a new life. But Christians need this series as much. Here's why. Christians are really good at obeying really good laws that we know from the Bible. Uh, really big ones. We don't kill. It's like, oh, don't kill. You know, we, we don't do... We don't, we don't steal. But here's what Christians do, and I'm guilty of it, and you're guilty of it. We bend laws, we bend rules in the small areas. We do. We bend them a little bit. Well, I mean, it's not really stealing because that's kind of mine. And it's not like you're going and robbing a bank, but you know what you're doing. We bend the rules. What causes us to bend those rules? We still do it. Usually it's circumstance. Well, you know, but I have to make a living. I have kids. Or, well, you know, I I know sex is meant for the marriage confines, but come on, man, I've I've got a need. We bend them. Or maybe I'm, I'm preaching out of my own experience. Before I was married, way before I was married, here's how I would bend the rules on sex. Well, if I only do certain things, it's not sex. <laughs> not good. We know when it's sex, and it is sex. And, and again, the problem isn't that sex is bad. It's that sex has a glorious place. It is a glorious place. It's marriage, and God made it, and it feels good. And there's a book in the Bible called Song of Songs that is all about showing you that sex is good, okay? That sexual desire is good, but within the confines of marriage. So again, as Christians, the people that are listening as Christians, we're going to have to surgically look inward and find, where am I bending the little rules? Where is it that I'm saying, well, it's not really sex? Or, well, I, I can't really afford this, so I'm not really stealing. Those little sentences that pervade through our minds are the things that we have to renew our minds in. We have to wage war with our minds. Our minds are lost to sin. And this is true for Christians too. Now as Christians, we are empowered to win that battle. So the problem is that there's deep within, we have two competing views. The world perspectives that culture has taught us so well and God's standards. Those are the two competing views. In your minds, you have two competing views. You've grown up in a culture, whether it's Puerto Rico, whether it's Southern California, whether it's wherever, Ohio, You've grown within a culture, and those standards have been given to you through movies, through people around you, through family, through word of mouth, through school, through people that are educators, through jobs. You've been hammered by those standards, the world standards. And then there are God's standards. And because of this, we have a competition, a war within. Galatians 5.17 puts it this way. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There it is. That's the problem. 
I want to do some good stuff, but I usually give in to the bad stuff because this stuff is really waging war with me. One last time, then you can repent forever. One last time, then you can repent forever. It's not really stealing if I do this, or it's not really this if I do that. Those little inner conversations that sometimes we lose to the other side, the little devil within. The problem is that while we have rules to show us the right path, they do not solve the problem within. Because we have this battle inside. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. This is a guy who was the example of obeying a checklist of rules. But he recognized that he was still facing a problem within. And Paul expresses his frustration in chapter 7 of Romans. And I'm not going to read all of the passages he uses there to talk about this. But I'm going to mention one verse so that you can hear the simple explanation behind it. In verse 18 in Romans 7, he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That's the reason. We are unable to carry it out. We know what's right, but we are unable to carry it out. We don't have the ability. You are unable. The problem is in our minds. It is very much in our minds. In that same chapter, Paul explains that the root of the problem is in your mind. He says, in verses 22 and 23 of the same chapter, he says, For I delight, that means he enjoys it, I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So again, notice he said, there is a war within against the law of the mind. This isn't the only time Paul talks about the mind. In Ephesians chapter 4, he gives us a little more, a bigger glimpse into what the problem is with our minds. Why is it that we are unable to do what we are supposed to do? He tells us in chapter 4 of Ephesians, in verse 18, speaking, or actually verse 17, speaking of the way we used to do things, or the way sinners do things. Now this I say in testifying the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of of their minds. Notice, God is trying to tell us the problem is within. The problem is in your thought process. It's in the mind. He said it, in the futility of their minds. In verse 18, it says, they are darkened in their understanding. That's a concept of the mind. Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. In other words, we're stubborn. We have a mind that is warped in a war of what we're supposed to do, and on top of that, we're stubborn. It's hard to push us into change. We're stubborn. In verse 19, he goes on, he says, They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, uh, to practice every kind of impurity. And again, we're not seeing, in that case specifically, sensuality. Sex is not bad. It's the context. So what is the solution? 
the solution is the most well-known passage that Christians have about the mind. Christians quote this. I quote it all the time. It is the most quoted passage about my mind needing to be changed. It's Romans 12, verse 2. Don't worry if you didn't know it. If you didn't know it, that's good. Today you are equipped. This is probably the passage that we are surrounding all of our teaching in this series around. Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2 tells us that basically, before I read it, long story short, you were, again, part of this process of indoctrination by the culture and world around you. It was just forced upon you as you were raised and as you were surrounded by other people. That process was given to you. But guess what? You shouldn't be conformed with that. You shouldn't say, yeah, that's okay. You should say, Jesus died for me, so now I will allow him to transform me. And we're going to explore what that transformation means and how it is that we surgically go into our minds and allow that to happen by God. So Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. Other translations say to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That passage has a lot more than people typically realize it has. Yeah, I want to renew my mind so I can be a better person. Well, it's giving you something way more in there. It's explaining what it is that you do wrong at the same time it gives you the solution. Didn't we say minutes ago, the problem is we bend rules. And when we bend rules, we get caught up in inner conversations about what is right. Yeah, maybe that's bad, but... I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, you know, my circumstance is very specific. That rule doesn't apply to me. My circumstance is very specific, so I can bend the rule here. That rule doesn't apply to my circumstance. We all get caught up in that conversation when we bend the rules because of our circumstance. And what happens? We lose track of what is right and wrong. We lose track of what is good, perfect, and acceptable, and what, of what God wants for us. He's telling you that right there. When you struggle within your mind, this bending of rules makes you lose this perception of what's good or bad. You, in your inner world, you've just softened the barriers, and now you're just kind of moving around, and, well, I'm not so sure that's bad. That's how the breaking process starts. We can't allow that. And God says, look, you need to fall back into what is good and acceptable and His will. You must be transformed by the renewal of the mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. You need to remember what God wants. It's in the Bible. It's in His Word, in His inspired Word. When we say Bible, it's not just some ancient book. It is His inspired Word. It is there. So we need to renew our minds so that that process that we started where we broke those walls of confinement and we're just kind of like testing and saying, yeah, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. We're testing the wrong way and we've lost track of what is good, what is perfect, what is acceptable. We've lost track of what God wants. 
we must discern. We must renew our minds. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, again, alluding to this mind process, Paul reiterates it yet again. There's a reason for it. The problem is within. There is a war in our minds. In verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to go from verses uh, 20 to 24. It tells us about this, about how now we are supposed to be someone new that is not conformed to the old ways. But that is not the way you learned Christ. This is chapter uh, 4 of Ephesians, verse 20. It goes on. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. First key word there. Deceitful and desires. Desires are within. And to be renewed, once again, in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, in that verse 23, it tells us we need to be renewed in our minds because our desires within our minds are warped. They're deceitful. They, they fool us. They trick us into those conversations inside that go like, well, that doesn't really apply to me. That's not exactly applicable to my circumstance. So I can bend this rule a bit because it doesn't apply to me. How then? The biggest question I had, I loved the first time I became a believer and I learned about Romans 12 too. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I walked all day and for many years saying that. It's like, yeah, I'm going to change from the inside out. I'm going to renew my mind from the inside out. And nothing happened for quite a a while. For many years, nothing happened. Same old patterns. No renewal of the mind. How does it happen? How do I start that process? If it's God doing it, if it's God renewing my mind, how do I start the engine on that process? How do I get God to do it? It's a hard process. It's surgical. And we're going to go to Psalms as we uh, start nearing the end of this message, we're going to go to Psalms to see how to do it. The key is to invite God, listen to that, invite God to probe and renew your heart and mind. Here we are sitting in our minds with the angel and the devil in your minds, and you're talking to each other, and you've, you haven't yet invited the right person into the conversation. You need to probe your life, and you need to not reason your way out of the boundaries. You need to invite God to probe your mind. He needs to surgically remove those little beliefies, those little things that we have in our head that are making us do compromise. Compromise. Gray areas. We live in gray areas all day because it doesn't really apply to me. So the first thing that you do in this invitation, inviting God to probe, is to recognize in prayer and tell him that you need to be made new. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
That's the first one. Psalm 51.10, that's your first step in the process. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Wait a minute. I'm not telling you to go home and recite this. I'm asking you to go home and dwell on this. You can say, create in me, God, a clean heart, and nothing happens. But mean it. Sit down. That means you have to recognize your heart is dirty, like mine. (laughs) You have to. God, I am messed up. Look at what I did this other day. Look at what I did yesterday, last night. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I need to pray like that, like I'm praying for my brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico. Like that, urgent. I must pray that and mean it, not recite it. Mean it every day. Ask God for a clean heart. That's the first step to the invitation to probe our hearts. We ask him to create that. In Psalm 26, 2, it says the process continues as follows. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. Test my heart and my mind. Allow God, now that he's inside of your mind, to explore. See the conversations you've been having. Invite him into those conversations. God, this is how I've been reasoning this. I can guarantee you, if you've read the Bible an ounce, you will hear God's voice either laugh or say, come on, really? This is what you've been reasoning? Really? So prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. Remember, we read verses ago, the heart is stubborn. So what is the passage doing? You're saying to God, Take away my stubbornness. Take away my stubbornness and walk through my mind. Tell me what's iffy, what's jacked up in my mind. These conversations, invite him in. He's got to walk through your mind. He knows what's in there. But if you don't invite him, if you don't allow him, how can the renewal process start? And then finally, Psalm 139 Verses 23 and 24, God concludes the process by now showing you. Notice this passage still is telling us God has to search and probe our minds. Again, this is Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Again, heart, stubbornness. Try and know my thoughts. Again, mind, heart, and mind. Stubbornness and thoughts. And in verse 24 it says, And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That is the concluding of the renewal process. And it's a daily one. And it goes on and on. I've got to invite him in to probe and create a clean heart in me. That's the first one. Second, I've got to let him walk through my mind. He's got to be able to walk through there, test my heart, test my stubbornness, and test my mind. And number three, in Psalm 139, he must, after seeing if there's any grievous way in me, he must lead me in the way everlasting. He must show me how to now fix those walls that I've broken inside of my mind. He's going to show me how to do it. He will. The Bible is that way. 
That's why there's a passage in Hebrews 4, which I don't have here, but it says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And it's able to go inside. It's telling us God speaks to us surgically within us through the Word of God. We've all felt it. Reading the Bible and then you're like, ouch, ah, doesn't feel good. But it's surgical. Sometimes good things hurt. (laughs) I was at the dentist yesterday, I know. (laughs) Sometimes good things hurt. So we need to invite him in to the process. Take those psalms with you. As the band comes up, Psalm 5110, Psalm 262, and Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. I'm going to say them again because this needs to be in your renewal process. Psalm 5110. Psalm 26.2 and Psalm 139 verses 23 through 24. This is the renewal process. It's a battle within. We're going to, in this series, to wage a war in our minds. Be willing and feel the joy that comes from that process. You're going to feel better about yourself. I told you at the beginning I did a diet and I didn't like it. But now I feel good about myself. <laughs> it works. It does. So go through the process as painful as it may be, right? Go through the process. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we invite you to probe our minds. There is a war in our heads. We invite you to probe our minds and see if there's anything messed up in there. And as you find those little conversations that we have that aren't really going the right way, where the wrong side is winning, may you come in with a loud voice and with a thought process that changes us where you remove the stubbornness from our hearts and you change the thoughts in our minds. It only happens by invitation and by allowing you to shed light in those conversations with the Bible. Lord, may we not be stubborn We cannot be stubborn. We cannot get out of the stubbornness without you, Lord. So we ask that you soften our hearts. Create in us a clean heart. We also pray for the tithes and offerings as the ushers come forth. We pray that you would multiply everything, that we would be able to bless Redlands. And I pray also as the ushers come forth, not just for the tithes and offerings, but I pray for the donations that will be dropped this coming week. That donations would, fl- that, that we would have a problem with how we're going to move the items. That that display of love would be so amazing that we're trying to figure out how the heck we're going to move these things, Lord. I pray that something miraculous would happen. And I pray that this message that you've said to me and to the congregation, to all of us, that it would be deeply seated in our new hearts. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.